It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is the 911 Calls Podcast with the operator. Where's the gun? Where is your gun? Oh, hello, Jess. Hi, Op. Hey, so we're doing something. We did something a little bit different today. Usually we send out an invite through email or other alerts to our backdoor access VIP people who um, support us so well on Plus. Today, we posted it on Facebook. And said, hey, if you want to join, want to get a taste of what, want to get a taste of what Plus is like, come enter our back door, access us through the back door live. But here's the thing. Does the list look almost the same? <laughs> like, the, it's just Plus people <laughs> again. We have a few. We have a few new people. We're glad you're here. If you hopefully you're enjoying this little glimpse into how a dumpster fire starts. Yeah, sometimes it's more exciting than others. Yeah, but but you get to see the the warts and all. I think that's always fun. Like honestly, I I I would love. I I've thought this a lot. Like I would love to just roll down to the mechanics shop and like just be a fly on the wall as they repair a car and be like, well, "What are you doing there? What's that?" What do you do? Why do you do that? What do you do? I'd love to do that with all kinds of professions. Like imagine just going in and like hanging out with an oil painter while they paint. And you'd be like, why do you do, why do you do that? Why'd you paint the whole face black first? And they're like, well, it's actually not black. It's a alizarin crimson and, uh, you know, and they, they'd explain it all. I feel like you already do that in life. I do. <laughs> I, I, I'm very curious. I'm like, what happens when I touch you here? 
from Waffle House <laughs> employees. Yeah. He's like making the hash browns all of a sudden. And anywhere I can go and get a hug. That's my that's my goal in life. That sounded creepy. Yeah. But no, we're really glad that people people could be here. Hey, well, another thing I wanted to explain really quick, we're, we're a handful of episodes, handful of episodes into Jess being the host on the show. And I've seen some responses from people. It changes hard. I get that. So some people struggle. I've seen some people, and I just wanted to clear this. I wanted to clarify this. This was a very much a utility, a utilitarian move in Kent not being on the show and Jess being here. Let me explain really quick, just really quick. Again? I know. We've di- I don't think we really did it on 911. I think we did it on the uncut. But here's here's the thing. Some pe- I saw some people like, oh, the op can't, just can't handle somebody being funnier than him. And you know what? Two things can be true at the same time. Kent is heck a lot funnier than me. And if you go back and you listen to the early episodes of 911, it wasn't too funny, guys. Jack didn't want to be here. <laughs> like, as part of the shtick, he didn't want to be here. Not like he didn't want to be here like he was leaving, which ultimately he ended up doing, but that's a whole other thing. The part of the shtick was that Jack was reluctantly brought on the show, and his job was to be broodingly mysterious, right? And then that let that let me, the operator, be dad joke central and it just it worked so the best way i I can put it is imagine if you were like on the johnny carson show or what's another modern one where not johnny because he's dead but what's a late night show like jimmy fallon jimmy fallon okay so imagine jimmy fallon has a guest on but jimmy fallon is so much funnier than the guest that the camera can't stay tracked on the the guest because it's shifting over to Jimmy Fallon all the time because a talk show isn't about Jimmy Fallon. The talk show is about the guests, right? And so the dynamic of a successful talk show like that is Jimmy Fallon asks pretty standard basic questions and then the gold is produced by the guest. It's like he may ask them a, a... Hey, what's a stupid human trick you have? And then the guest gets to do the stupid human trick. So it's kind of like you need the same kind of balance on a show like 911 Calls, where Kent was so much more funny than me, but he didn't have the script in front of him. So like the the spotlight would shine on him on the stage. And then I'd be like, yeah, that was amazing. Let me get back to the show. So we're just trying to recapture really what... What the show, how what made the show work in the first place, and that that takes nothing away from from Kent because Kent's humor is is so powerful. So two things can be true at once. Kent is much funnier than I am, and the show couldn't handle it. <laughs> I agree with most of that, except for comparing us to Jimmy Fallon. I'm just saying, you know, you look at any of those shows, there's a dynamic, a certain dynamic. and No, you're right. And Kent's now writing the creepypastas. He's, he's putting all his effort into TCK. I don't know about you, but we've been getting true crime Kent's on a much more frequent basis now because I think he feels liberated from having to, yeah. to be on, on this show just as a fly on the wall, you know. It's a very funny fly on the wall. 
as a creator, he is able to put his effort into things that he enjoys. And I think that's the whole shtick behind 1159. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So. All right. So I told myself that I wouldn't banter jibber jabber for very long. So I just have one more thing. Yeah, we're seven minutes in. We're seven minutes in. Six and a half. I've got one more thing. One more thing. This is very important. Oh, gosh. I don't know if people know it, but we are sitting on a gold mine at 1159 Media. If you haven't checked it out yet, Chase Ellerman, who is our editor, writes, creates, and produces two shows for 1159. One, the OG of Chase Ellerman's creations is called Tethers. The way I put it, the recipe that is Tethers is Chase Ellerman's a brilliant writer. And so he he writes every episode. Are they nonfiction? Are they fiction? You can be the judge. But the feel for me is it's sort of the Stephen King-esque. Yes. Gray, Oregonian, Pacific Northwest kind of mystery ride that he takes you on. I highly recommend you check out Tethers. If you haven't checked out Tethers podcast, you can find it through anywhere where where you listen to podcasts. If you're on Apple, you can hear it through 1159's premium channel or for free. It's out there. It's so good. And there's bonus content too, if you want to catch that. And then he also has another show. It's a true crime show called Almost Fiction, which is probably one of the most well-researched, most sober true crime shows that I listen to. And I just, I love it. I can put it in. I, it's just a great, I, I put it on, I put it on par with case file because it, it, it reads and feeds the same way as like a case file does. And I love that, you know, at 1159, we've got a lot of shows and each one has, has its own feathers. You know, true crime Kent is definitely its own bird, but if if you want, if you haven't checked them out yet, check out Almost Fiction and Tethers by Chase Ellerman on 1159 Media. And the cool part about Tethers is it's bingeable because there's like 33 episodes. You can binge it. And yes, I love a good series. So, And I think the rumor is there will be a season two. Yes. Thumbs up from Chase. Yep. So... We're excited about that. Anyway, I just wanted to get those things out there for everybody's earballs. Okay, Jess, this is where the rubber meets the road. Have you ever had any neighbor disputes? I lived in an apartment for a very long time. Mm. So, yes, we had all sorts of different people from all walks of life. And never bad where there's the cops or anything, though. But you had, you've had the experience of dwelling and existing next to people that... Horrible neighbors. Yeah. Needy neighbors. Loud. Would you agree that they also probably thought you were horrible? Yeah. Have you had that kind of conflict where you, you, you have conflict with your neighbor and they just write you off as a terrible neighbor, even though you're like, well, you're the one that did it. But they think you're the one that did it, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's weird because as soon as we humans end up in boxes where we live, houses or apartments or whatever, everything outside of it can, we can become very jaded. Doesn't take much to jade us, you know, like I know people that they, they live in an apartment and the, the apartment across the way has a doormat that just says F off. Right. And it ruins their life. <laughs> like, I can't stand living here, you know. and. 
I, I would imagine it's like this in most places, but there was like a hierarchy because of how long you had lived there. Mm. So, you know, the old lady that was 85 with her two little yappy dogs right. that complained, yeah, had to have a, anyway, she was, thought she was the best because she had lived there for 20 years. Yeah. Or the lumberjack that lives above you with his lug sole boots where you're like, hey, I know you get off work late and it's 11 p.m., but you start walking around in your apartment with your boots on. It's really. No, it's a four-year-old that they put cement shoes on. Right. Yeah. And it's instantly imposing on the lumberjack or the old lady with the yappy dog. Their their walls close in on them and they're like, I don't want to feel like I'm control. You know, the lumberjack doesn't want to feel like he has to take his shoes off in his own house because of the downstairs neighbor. You know, everybody, it's it's ancient, actually, in in nature that we are this way. There's sayings, you know, the ancient sayings that that say that fences make good neighbors, you know, that kind of a thing. And it's very, it's very true. There's, there's something about establishing good relationships with your neighbors, but also establishing healthy protocol, healthy boundaries, whether those are physical or mental or emotional or verbal. I think that's why we stay where we live now is because we have the best neighbors aren't they your parents your in-laws <laughs> one is my okay. in-law but the guy across the street or every i mean every house around us we have great that's good neighbors that take care of everything so that's good also because you're you're home a lot of the day it's probably nice to to know you got people around you that you can rely on absolutely yeah i always say it takes a village so it, i wouldn't want to just take off and live around people that I don't know. <laughs> I I would wager, though, that although you feel it's a nicety to have the people around you that are supporting you, uh, Jess, I would tell you that your neighbors are like, you know what? If things went down here, we'd call Jess. She'd cut. She'd she'd cut somebody. I know she would. So everybody feels more comfortable that you live near them than that they live than you know the other way around i don't know it's true i'm also the house that all the kids come to play at so i've had to create a close sign for the front door there you go no no yeah we can't play we have one of those a green or a red light red a green sign and a red sign flip yep the kids ignore it they don't even care oh they don't ignore it oh they do here at some they've just given up on even asking if our kids can play they just come to their own like you got any more of those chips <laughs> oh i think the worst part about being a neighbor though is when they're you have neighbors that you know things are going wrong but you can't really do anything like the cop like we had ones that the cops are always there you knew that she, she was probably in a domestic violence situation yeah and it's just hard to watch from that close, you know, when you don't know what to do. Well, and and yes, it's one of those see something, say some things. But at the same time, you're like, well, I don't want them to feel like I just set the tone or set a ball in motion that, you know, I kicked it off, but I can't stop it. That's hard. That's hard. Yeah. I don't want to become involved in all that. <laughs> So. Neighbor disputes. It's a challenge, challenging thing. I've had two recently. One, uh, the most recent was our daughters are very industrious and they 
have a lemonade stand and they'll put it out. And my Bean Bean's little, and she she says things that sh- that aren't true. <laughs> Sometimes she she told this one girl that was buying lemonade. She's like, "Here, you get this cup. We've used it already once, but you get to use it." <laughs> She sold, so she's she's got half a brain, and she sold lemonade to a girl with half a brain who went home and was like, they're reusing the cups at that lemonade stand. And so I get a call later that night from, I'm pretty sure, her drunk dad of texts. Actually, they don't even start with me. They start. He starts texting my wife first, which father bear wise, I'm, I'm, uh, you're, you're two and oh <laughs> with me talking about my kids and you're texting my wife you know and you're and you're not you're not being cool yeah and so i stepped in and that wasn't comfortable and so now there's always this kind of tinge and you know i know that time of night and everything i know this guy well enough he was probably three or four beers in but it set a weird tone you know now we have to just deal with it you know it, now it's the the obligatory you know probably eight to ten waves when i drive by in the suburban you know, to make sure that, you know, it's, that's how, that's how dudes settle neighbor disputes is, oh, he's waved to me a handful of times. I think I'm going to go ahead and forgive him. But I had one that actually was a little more serious. We lived on a five acre horse property where we boarded horses and stuff. And there's a, there's a canal at the back of the property. And for those that don't know, when you live on a big acreage like that, the way to water your property is either you've got groundwater underneath that you've tapped, and that's the water you use to water your property with what they call hand lines or sprinkler systems, those big, you know, that cover all the ground. The same, like Meg said, the same one that you flooded the neighborhood with? Yes, same one, exactly. Yes, because I don't know what I'm doing. So the way that that one worked is you've got these little gates and the canal is constant during the season. The canal has water in it all the time. And then you are notified by the city that your time for water is coming up and you get X number of inches is what they say. And so basically it's on five acres, you get two inches of water. And, you know, once it once you've got two inches of water, it all seeps into the ground. But you've got to babysit the water, right? But the problem you run into is when the neighbor upstream from you keeps his gates open and it's your water. So you're spending money watering his property. And my father-in-law said it best. He goes, men have died over this. You know, like people have been killed over people stealing other people's water because oftentimes, not necessarily in my case, but these properties, they're their livelihood. You know, they've got horses or, or animals or, you know, that the, their, their, their acreage is a crop. And so pulling that water is fundamental to their, their operation. And so when you've got a neighbor that's stealing your water, oh, at that, that hurts a relationship. That hurts a relationship. And so I remember one time, 9 p.m., we wander back to the canal and we'll go back there and we didn't want to touch his gates because that would be, you know, trespassing. So what we did is we threw sandbags in the channel that blocked the water going into his gates. And then I get a call the next day. He's like, hey, did you sandbag my uh, the gate, my gates? And we're like, no, we sandbagged the, the canal because... 
your time for water was up three days ago. So we sandbagged the canal. We didn't touch your gates, though. He's like, well, and I'm like, well, maybe, you know, and before you know it, like, seriously, like, that kind of thing leads to people pulling out their rifles. It's weird, but, you know, it's the world I live in. It's because, you know, I'm just a cowboy at heart. <laughs> and then I flood the whole neighborhood and the street and everything. And then that guy's like, see, you don't even know what you're doing. Anyway. Oh, my. Believe it or not, that has something to do with uh, what this 911 call's about. So let's get into it. <laughs> 20 minutes in. I don't think I'm going to change. I don't think I can. I'm trying, but I just. It's a runaway train. It really is. You're along for the ride or you hate it and you're not going to listen to it anymore. But I don't have a script, so there's not much I can drive. <laughs> like... All right, fine. I'm getting into it. So here's a couple backstories. Dana Mulhall, originating from the serene town of Jackman, Maine. Dana Mulhall carried the essence of his hometown wherever he went. So you heard his. So this is a dude named Dana. Okay. No judgment. Like Dana White. Sure. Yeah. Dana White. I mean, there's a lot of famous Danas that are Dana Carvey. Okay. Yeah, I'm sure there's other ones. So the dude, Dana. Yeah. In 1977, a graduate of Forest Hills High School, Dana was known for his love of the great outdoors. So his life in Maine was marked by fishing and hunting trips. He had a passion he carried into his later life into Florida. So in December of 1992, Dana decided to move to Flagler Beach, Florida. Gotta be careful when you say that name. It's Flagler Beach, Florida, bringing with him his laid-back, non-confrontational nature. Dana was described as a wonderful, wonderful guy by the Flagler Beach mayor. Dana was the kind of neighbor everyone wished they had. He was pleasant. He was easygoing with a slight frustration only at life's sillier moments. Kind of, I feel like this guy and me are the same, you know, just very like, just lovable. Just everybody loves me, him, us. Oh. No? Okay. All right, moving on. A landscaper by profession, he was a familiar face in Flagler Beach, and he was known for his love of quiet, simple joys. Stark contrast to Dana, Paul Miller hailed from the rugged mountains of Tennessee, and his life, however, took a turn that brought him face-to-face -face with Dana in Flagler Beach. While details of Paul's earlier life were sparse, what's clear is the brewing tension between him and Dana, mainly due to Paul's barking dogs. Paul perceived Dana as a threat, claiming that Dana had menaced him and his wife in the past. The dynamics between these two men were pretty complex. On the one hand, there's Dana, the easygoing Mainer, and on the other, Paul, the Tennessee native with a looming sense of threat. And their shared history was minimal, but it was fraught with growing tension and misunderstanding. So here's the lead up to this thing. March 14th, 2012 was just another day in Flagler Beach, Florida. Dana Mulhall returned from a nearby bar around 6 p.m. So he'd been drinking. I don't know, that seemed a little early to be done at the bar. <laughs> Did he get there when it opened? I guess. 
I don't know. Well, maybe he was there for happy hour. You know what? He's a chill dude. Maybe he was there, you know, looking for a discount. I can't judge. So he came back from the bar around 6 p.m. only to be greeted by the familiar and irritating sound of Paul Miller's barking dogs. In a moment of frustration, Dana approached the fence separating their properties, yelling at the dogs to cease their barking. Cease your barking, he says. Cease it now. I don't know if that's exactly how he put it. Inside his house, Paul Miller perceived this as a hostile act. Fearing Dana might be arming himself for a confrontation, hmm, Paul retrieved his Caltech 9mm pistol. The scene was set for a tragic confrontation with both men at the fence, the air thick with tension and pre-evening drinks and misunderstanding. And on that, are you ready for me to hit press play on this nine one one call? Yeah, I guess so. All right, all right. Here we go. Saigon County nine one one. Where is your emergency? You're not seeing the ambulance. Oh, an ambulance. Oh, okay, you right now. Are you laying in the yard over here? Hello, Mr. Riley. We've had trouble before. Okay, and um, is he? And where are you right now? I'm in the house. My house. Where's the gun? Huh? Where is your gun? Laying upside. On the porch. Okay, so we don't know if he's breathing or anything? Nope, don't know. Okay. Uh, are, are you going to stay in your house? Yeah, I'll be out here on the porch. Okay. Is anybody out with him? Nope. Do you know the male's name? His first name's Dana. I don't know his last name. Okay. Okay. My dress here a couple of weeks ago. I had to call a while. I'm going to come over here doing anything here, right? Just a few minutes ago. What happened? He says my dogs was barking. And they did yap a little bit as the dog walked up the street. But he's drunk or something. His face was blood red. And he's just cussing, calling me names, threatening me every damn time. Okay. Calling me names, threatening me. Okay. And what is your what is your name, sir? Okay. And, you, and you're on the porch and your gun is on the porch with you? Yeah. Okay, I want you to leave the gun alone. Is it? Did you unload it? I think I did. Okay, all right. Where is? Where are you putting the gun? I'll put it back in the house. Okay. I'll be outside. Okay, all right. I'm going to call my wife and tell her what's happening. She's... Okay, um, I need to know, like, where you're going to put the, put the gun in the home. I put, I put the gun in the living room on top of the cabinet. Okay. And you're calling... Okay, do you know his house, where he is? Yeah, he's next door here. Just next door? Yeah. Okay. Okay, I'm going to probably have to keep you on the line, though, until we can get no, lost. i got to hang out and call my wife. I'll be right here on the porch. Okay. <laughs> so matter-of-fact... So the neighbor comes home from the bar at 6 p.m. Maybe he even had just dinner at the bar. We don't know Yeah, this at that point. Like, we don't know what his blood alcohol content was. No. Okay. And starts yelling at the dogs. And this old man comes out with his gun and kills him. Yep. So Dana Mulhall returned from the nearby bar, like you said, around 6 p.m. Exact activities 
of Dana prior to the moment of his arrival, return home. They're not detailed, but it's known that he frequences frequented local bars. Okay. So the trigger for all this, he arrives home. Dana's greeted by the sound of Paul Miller's barking dogs. The nuisance had been a recurring issue and a point of contention between Dana and Paul. So the initial reaction here is frustrated. Dana approaches the small fence separating their properties. He begins yelling and cursing at the dogs to stop barking, an action fueled by his irritation but likely amplified by his state after returning from the bar. So Paul Miller's response, Paul's inside the house, his own house, hears Dana yelling, conserved and perceiving Dana's actions as threatening, Paul decides to confront the situation. His decision is influenced by his previous perception of Dana as a threat, which the mayor would beg to differ, saying, you know, Dana's a pretty chill dude, pretty cool dude. Right, and he wasn't... He was swearing at the dogs and yelling at the dogs, but... But he wasn't, like, throwing things at the dogs. No, no, it was all verbal, all verbal at this point. I mean, what kind of dogs were they? Were they, like, the little yappy dogs? Because, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't. That's a good question. Also brings to light that I maybe should do more research. Maybe. I don't know if ChatGPT could even get the answer on that, though. So we're just going to pretend like it's not available. (laughs) But here's the thing. And here's a question to ask yourself is it's often said, oh, well, I felt like my life was threatened. That's why I pulled out my gun or that's why I fired or whatever. I don't know where that sits if somebody's threatening to kill your dogs or your animals. Is self-defense still warranted? No. Like, let's say he even pulled out a gun and he's like, I'm going to shoot these dogs. Could you shoot a man because he's got a gun to your dog's head? Like, is that? I don't even think Florida is a. Stand your ground state, castle law kind of thing. So the, and the, the, even then you'd have to enter the home. You would think, or the property. Yeah, like if he's on his property with a gun, let's just say, he, the, Dana doesn't even have a gun in this case, but let's just say, let's take it to the extreme. And Dana's pulled out a gun and he's pointing it at your dog from his property. No, that doesn't warrant, I'm pretty sure you'd go to prison. But. Chase is saying in his silent manner through text messaging, through the through the wonders of text message depends if uh, life and limb or property in most states. I don't know. I don't know what Florida's like when it comes to that. Just Florida, yeah, two thousand five. They're a stand your ground. So they're a stand your ground state. Still, what ground are you standing? A guy's on his own property, pointing a gun at your dog. I don't know if that, I don't, you definitely would go to court. I mean, there's no way around that. Nobody's going to show up and be like, oh, no, this is kind of buttoned up, open and closed. All of it revolves around self-defense. So it wouldn't be yourself anyway. It's your dogs. And I don't want people, now I've said two things that people think I hate dogs. (laughs) (laughs) Jess hates pets. No, I hear what you're saying. I mean, there, there is on the hierarchy of legal things to protect. I mean, emotionally. We might, we value our pets, but whether or not the court's going to see it that way. Like I, I remember several years ago, we had a bunch of chickens and this guy raised hunting dogs right up the road. And one of his hunting, younger hunting dogs got out 
and broke into our chicken coop and killed all of all of our chickens. But you know, it was a hunting dog because not one chicken was eight. They were all just crushed. And that's a sign of a, a, what a hunting, a trained hunting dog would do. And so I put it out to the community on Facebook I, on one of our must know pages. I was like, so a hunting dog killed all my chickens. What the, cr- what's my recourse? And my little community here in, in uh, Antarctic, Idaho said, well, where's the dog? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know, probably back at zoners. And they're like, it should be underground. And I was like, wow. <laughs> so as people, as humans, I think we have differing ways of handling things. Either way, Dana, Dana didn't have a gun. He was just yelling at the dogs. Yeah, he's. Uh, this is just verbal on Dana's part. So I was trying to, you know, kind of exacerbate the scenario and say, let's just say he had a gun, but he didn't. He didn't have a gun. And I think what we talked about in the uncut, the bubble, like it's built up probably. Like they have a lot of animosity. Animosity, yeah, pent up rage. Those are good words. Isn't it weird? I think that's one of the wild things about homeownership or just our domicile, wherever you live is until something encroaches or you perceive it as a threat, your home is like a a, pan, a panacea of peace and, and comfort and protection. And then the moment a neighbor or somebody does something to cross you, suddenly your home becomes a fortress. <laughs> it's like flip the switch, you know, and it's very hard to get that to be, to go back to the way it was because, Neighbor relations are one of the most complex dynamics, I think. So this all escalates. Paul exits his house and goes to his front porch and hearing Dana's door slam shut, fearing that Dana was retrieving a gun. So again, he's kind of making this up in his head. Paul enters his home and arms himself with a loaded Keltec 9mm pistol. Jess, I wonder how having a gun sponsor on the show would do. I was thinking about that as I was writing this, you know, like, have we done enough and spread enough awareness of personal protection that people would be amenable, do you think, to self-defense advertising? I'll support Benelli if they'll send a shot. (laughs) (laughs) This episode brought to you by Benelli. Jess, how's that Benelli working out for you? Well, I've disarmed four intruders this last week. You see my bruises on my shoulder? (laughs) Yes, shoulder, yeah. I've got to believe that our listenership still split. I think there's probably more people that it would turn off than turn on if we had. And think about our UK listeners. They, the police don't even have guns. They can't see straight. Yeah, we have one. We had one listener from Ireland, another one from Australia. They cannot even fathom. I think so many other countries think that like as if you're on a plane and you're coming into America and you're landing, the ground just looks like the Civil War, like cannons going off. And, you know, you get out of your airport and, you know, on the you're at the sidewalk waiting for an Uber and you just hear off in the distance. Like I think people think we're shooting everything. But what they don't realize is that the media makes things out to be a little more grandiose than they are. I grew up in a time where every senior boy in high school had a gun rack in the back window of his truck and had rifles and shotguns in it. And, ah, man, this new video thing that I got going on, every time I make a hand gesture. Even like knives, they care. You guys probably carried a knife to school. Oh, yeah. Even. Oh, yeah. 
I have, look, 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 look. Every morning, I have a knife on me. I've, I've got it. I'm wearing sweat shorts and I have a knife on me. <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> They're gray too. <laughs> they are. They are. See? No, don't show me. <laughs> where's Where's Kent? I need Kent back. <laughs> Mentality wise, it's just a different way of 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 seeing things. But the 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 funny thing was, you know, all us high school kids, high school kids, we had we had guns, we had guns in the back windows of our trucks, and we left our trucks unlocked. Like no one's touching anything. Also, nobody's shooting up schools. No, yeah. So I'm not going to try to answer the question. All I'm going to say is what we think the problem is, is maybe not the problem. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, that was a bit of a tangent. But just one more one more little, little, little nudge that I'm feeling in my brain. Just if we had advertisers that you could pick, which advertisers would you love to hear on a podcast? Like, what's a brand that if you heard a promo for them and there was some cool discount, you'd- Ulta. Ulta, really? Okay, so if <laughs> if Ulta had a had a promo, you'd be like, I I'm losing my paycheck because you just used the the discount that we get from Ulta. Absolutely. Okay, I'll try to get one from Ulta. I have a long list. I mean, I could go on. <laughs> Sally Beauty. No, Sephora. Sephora. Yeah. Or like, if any local esthetician. <laughs> All right. <laughs> just in in just in your town in the greater St. Louis area. <laughs> <laughs> I just start geolocating esthetician ads just for you in St. The greater St. Louis area. No, I I thought I always thought it'd be cool to like, yeah, like a clothing company or like a small business. I don't know. I always up and coming businesses. Yeah. Well, here's something, and uh, it's timely, maybe since we're talking about it. If you have a small business and you want to advertise on a show like ours, oftentimes if you're a small business, you're like, yeah, but I don't want, I, like, I don't, I'm not shipping stuff out. So I just would need that ad to be very local to me. Uh, in the past, we've had Cookie Friday. Cookie Friday, we've we've promoted, and they came back and they're like, "It's really cool that people in the UK hear our ad for Cookie Friday, but we're in Vegas, right?" <laughs> and so we actually have that capability now. So if you are a small business and you wanted to advertise, and you have a bit of a budget, don't this is, can't be. It's not free, guys. But if you wanted to advertise, we can actually geolocate right around you say the Greater St. Louis area, and you want to sell your shopkins makeovers you just let us know and we can we can make it happen speaking of that here are some ads or dang it <laughs> that was a very long-winded lead up to us having to pay the bills so here we go this episode is brought to you by better help let me ask you a question and really ponder this What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Would you go for a run, take a nap, like maybe like I do? <laughs> Read a book or maybe show up for a friend? I mulled this one over for myself for a while and found that when I really started to think about it, I wasn't sure what I'd do with an extra hour every day. A little time with BetterHelp helped me not only to answer the question, 
but helped me to answer why I was struggling to figure out what I'd do with an extra hour. Turns out I was struggling to identify what was most important to me. The shocking truth is, if we don't know what's most important to us, then who cares if it's one more hour a day or ten? We won't make better use of the time. If we know what's important to us and we begin conducting our day around those things first, then we find that we're more productive and we're more fulfilled and hopefully more content. For me, it helped to have someone else help me see where my obstacles reside in operating more intentionally throughout my day. Therapy can help you find what matters to you most so that you can do more of that thing in your day. And this is where BetterHelp can help. Lately, I've been really glad that BetterHelp is entirely online. I've had some low points, and knowing that BetterHelp is a click away rather than miles away makes it so much easier to commit time to. And when time is limited, BetterHelp is flexible and suited to my schedule and your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So, learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash 911podcast today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash 911podcast. Hugs. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. We're back from the riveting ads that you got to listen to. Hopefully they were they were everything you hoped they would be. And hopefully Jess walked away with a couple discount codes. All right. Back to this. So confrontation at the fence. So Paul returns outside, encountering Dana at the fence. An argument ensues, fueled by past grievances and misunderstandings. During the heated exchange, Paul claims to have seen Dana reach behind his back. Could he have been itching something? Did he have a, you know, a mole that had festered? I don't know. But mistaking this as Dana drawing a weapon, Paul fires his pistol. Dana, however, was unarmed. So Dana's attempt to flee comes after this. After being shot, Dana attempts to crawl away, seeking cover. Tragically, Paul fires additional shots. What? Two of which hit Dana as he tries to escape, which I don't know if we're all well-versed on castle doctrine, or stand your ground laws, but definitely does not hold up. 
<laughs> no. Shoot, shoot to, uh, as, as the threat is impending, but if they turn their back or are trying to run away, even if that bugger was going to do you harm, once you shoot and their back's shown to you, you can't be shooting a fleeing, even fleeing criminal. But in this case, it's not even that. It's just a fleeing Dana. It's not like he's causing a lot of problem. Two shots hit Dana as he tries to escape. So the neighbors hear the shots, but many don't witness the event. And the neighborhood is plunged into shock as the gravity of the situation unfolds. Dana dies from his injuries on his front stoop. Now you heard the 911 call. At one point, the dispatcher was like, so is there anybody with him? And he's like, nope, nope, nope. Just, uh, just so casual about it. Yeah, guy's just dying there on his stoop. The police are called to the scene. Paul admits to the shooting during the 911 call and is later arrested and charged with second-degree murder. So the punishment phase, in the case of Paul Miller, who fatally shot his neighbor Dana Mulhall, unfolded through a series of legal proceedings that closely examined the nuances of self-defense and escalation of violence. So the charges, Paul Miller was arrested on March 14th, 2012, the same day of the shooting. He faced second-degree murder charges, indicating that the killing was intentional but not premeditated. I struggle with that one a bit because... I believe he saw him out there yelling at his dogs and grabbed a gun. But I guess it could the argument could be made he wasn't intending to use it at that point. He was just intending to maybe protect himself. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So Miller's family requested a bond amount between $50,000 and $100,000, citing financial constraints and Miller's health concerns. The judge set the bond at 300000 significantly higher than the family's request. So Miller was able to post bond and was released, a decision that dismayed and upset the Mulhalls' family and friends. Now, here's, here, I would welcome a very clear answer on this because the other night, I tried my best to answer this question. Who gets bail money? And the best I could come up with is this, is that there's this like circular explanation that is this. You get in trouble, a bond or a bail amount is, a bond is set. In order to post bond, most of the time, you have to come up with 10% of the amount. So if it's $300,000, you got to come up with 30 grand. Right. So you pay the 30 grand. And then things kind of fork in the road. If you end up being innocent, you get the money back. If you're guilty, that bond amount may be used to pay for the court fees and other expenses. But no one that I could find that I asked the question to online would answer if it's 30 grand, there's no, your court fees aren't going to be $30,000. So the court fees get paid. Then what do you, do you get the rest of it back or does it like who gets it? 
And then if if it goes to like, let's say it goes to the city or the county, how do they use those funds? Because it's it doesn't make any sense to me. Like it sounds. I guess it depends on how long the court case is and like the trial and stuff. If it could be expensive, but I imagine they find a way to spend it. <laughs> to keep it. Yeah. And that's the, my question is this is, again, the rabbit hole goes deeper because who gets to spend it? Like, if we're talking about the quote unquote court, what are their expenses? Like, does it go in the the judge's pocket? Does it go in to a city slush fund? Does it go to building roads? I can't find an answer. So if you've got one, let me know. Because I, I really do want to know. And that's really important to this case. <laughs> Not. Ah. So the prosecution was led by Jacqueline Roy's argued that Miller acted out of spite, not fear, challenging the self-defense claim. And I, I can feel this a little bit because I managed apartments and there were, if I were a bad person, there was a lot of people that would have been killed out of spite. <laughs> like one, the one thing I learned managing apartments is when there's a problem, Everyone lies. Nobody tells the truth. And that's an absolute that I'll stand behind. Like, it was so aggravating that nobody tells the truth when there's a problem until they're caught in their lie and then they got to fess up. And then that problem finds a resolution and then there's another problem and they just stack on top of each other until you just look at certain people with disdain and you're like, if you were in an alleyway, I'd probably shoot you in the head. And that's a really bad place to be when you're an apartment manager. You shouldn't be thinking about killing the people that you're serving. But I did. I think you need help. <laughs> I do. I do. A lot of it. Um, so the defense claimed on the flip side of Jacqueline Royce's prosecution the defense claimed that Miller had legitimate fears for his safety due to past threats from Dana. The jury deliberated for all approximately one and a half hours. So Paul Miller was found guilty of second-degree murder. The sentencing occurred in June of 2013. Paul Miller received a life sentence in prison. Following the sentencing, Miller's bond was revoked and he was taken into custody. So, again, here's a question. So he was guilty. His bond was revoked. But there's 30 grand that's been paid. Who gets it? Answer that question for me, people. All right. So um, in November of 2017, Miller returned to court to argue that his defense in the 2013 trial was ineffective due to the lack of of a use of force expert. So he's claiming that because there was no expert uh, in use of force that was used as a uh, expert witness or expert, you know, testifying on his behalf that hurt his case. So the hearing although was unsuccessful and the judge ruled that the conviction would stand and Miller was to resume his life sentence. So currently Paul Miller is housed at the Appalachian Correctional Institution Institution East Unit in Sneeds, Florida. And he's been there since June 27, 2013. There's been no more successful appeals or changes in his conviction status since his sentencing. 
So it also makes me think about something, though. Have you heard? Do you know about the this this former Olympian called the Blade Runner? You heard him, Jess? Sure. Chase has heard of him. So this is a this is a Paralympic Olympian. I can't remember whether or not he was allowed to run in the actual. I think he was allowed to run in the actual Olympics, not just the Paralympics. But he doesn't have feet. So he's got these prosthetic blades that he runs on. Right. And there's controversy on whether or not they gave him an extra oomph in running. I don't know if you've ever had like a really floppy, a floppy spatula with a pancake on it and you flip it and that floppy spatula just gives a little too much oomph to the pancake and it ends up on the ceiling. But now put those floppy pancake spatulas on your feet. Yeah. I think you get a little more push off of them. I feel like you guys were talking about this on the Never Daily the other day. Uh, well, on the Never Daily the other day, if you're talking about the Never Daily podcast, that episode, I lost internet and I heard you guys finished the show without me. So I don't know how it ended. It was horrible. Yeah, was it? Anyway, what about this Blade? What about the Blade Runner guy? Anyway, so he's from South Africa and he was, he was given uh, a lengthy sentence for murdering his girlfriend and he recently was released from his sentence early he got out early so now he's on the <laughs> he's on the run no he's not because he's legally out so he's not on the run that that joke doesn't even land oh man what does this have to do with the call what it had to do with was that he was in jail and so was paul miller oh <laughs> <sighs> prison to be specific do you have a do you have a happy ending i do i have a happy ending would you like to hear it yeah okay all right so i have a question for you what's what's one delicious chinese product that if you could order it on a regular basis and have it show up to your house you would do that too (laughs) Crab, crab rangoo. Obviously, right? <laughs> Obviously. Believe it or not, I have a 911 call where someone tried to order crab rangoon. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And this was, uh, this was brought to my attention by our, our re- researcher, Rachel Spillers, who researched this episode. So thank you, Rachel, for doing that and for providing us with the, uh, this good. Thank you, Rachel. Good food of a happy ending. So I'll play it now and then then we can discuss. You ready for me to press play? Yeah. Okay. So excited that you're excited. Here we go. Now on emergency visit, Josh, your call's recorded. Um, yeah. Can I get an order of the pork fried rice? Okay. Do you guys have crab in? This is the police department. Uh, okay. Uh, I'll also have an egg roll, too. Do you know how long it'll be? Ma'am? I don't know, I don't know how it works in the situation, but... This is, not, this is the police. Okay. Do you know how long it'll be? This is the police department, ma'am. So, 
You can't tell me how long it'll be? Goodbye. Yeah, what if it was one of those, like, send for help things? Yes, right? Because we've covered the pizza lady before, and she ordered a pizza in disguise to get the police to come. So it's funny how quickly, like, our perception changes. Like, if you perceive that this this gal is a prank caller, she suddenly becomes very punchable. <laughs> We're just like, how dare you? Right. You know, how flippant, how, 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 how childish. But... On the flip side, if she's a, this is a cry for help, how dare the dispatcher, right? So I'm going to go out on a limb and say, whether this is a crank call or not, as a dispatcher, you should take it seriously. At least follow up because one of two things is going to happen. You're, the police are going to show up and it's a prank call. That person's going to you know, get just desserts for, for pranking the, the police. If it's not, though, you might just be saving a lady's life. Right. Maybe just don't hang up. I feel like they do follow up no matter what, at least where I'm from. Yeah. It, well, and if he's just like, goodbye. Like, we don't even know if he got enough information to know where the call was originated, you know, unless it was a landline. Right. But still. I don't know if that was actually a happy ending, though. <laughs> Well, it was it was curious and silly, and let's just you know what I, over the course of time, the happy endings have evolved. It's uh, I'm trying to dig myself out of here, Jess. No, I, and actually, here's the funny thing: is that that nine one one call was described in the Orlando Sentinel as as occurring. They didn't even have an answer on whether or not it was a prank call or not. They had no backstory. So there's another reason why it's just a happy ending and not a actual case, because nobody knows. We'll have to work on this. <laughs> you know what? You come up with the bet you come up with the happy endings then. See how big I don't even have a script. <laughs> anyway. Oh. Well, that's that's really all I've got. The case of Paul Miller kind of stands as another one of those complex, like, is it stand your ground? Is it uh, just petty murder? It's not complex. That guy woke up with rage, in my opinion. <laughs> so. Yeah, he, he could have done well to have some Zoloft in his life, maybe. Yeah. Also, also this, I, I, I will say, I have two dogs. And I can't stand the amount of barking they do in the backyard, right? I know it's just, it's making everybody upset around me. If you've got noisy dogs and they have been the bane of, or the source of some conflict between you and your neighbors, maybe part of it's your dogs too. You know, I take ownership of the fact that I got noisy dogs and I do what I can. So... If that's you, maybe go to your neighbors and go, you know what, I recognize I have noisy dogs and I just wanted to apologize about having noisy dogs. You don't have to do anything about it, maybe. Or maybe you do. Okay, if you like this episode, make sure you rate and review us. 
No, don't rate and review this one. How about don't rate and review this one? This one's not. Five stars, but you can tell us how crappy we are in the description. (laughs) But if you really do love it, especially if you're on Apple Podcasts, if you scroll up, you'll notice. If you got lazy fingers, just scroll up to the top of this episode and you'll see that we have two two subscription channels now. We have a 911 call 911 calls premium where you get 911 calls, 911 calls plus and the soon to be released 911 calls stripped which is no jibber jabber just just the facts. And maybe a little more accent. I don't know. We'll see. And then we also have 1159 premium which is basically everything that we could ever throw at all of our Patreon supporters. Basically, it's the same same gig. Every episode that we've ever created, 600 plus episodes of things now amongst amidst all the shows that we have. So check out those if you want more of 1159 or of 911. And with that, I'll bid you all a dudes. Hugs, everybody. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.